3: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hey, guys. It's Kayla. Candace is not able to join us today, but... We are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. I'm here to tell you, it's okay. And I'm telling myself that too. Today, we have a lovely guest, and we are talking about weed. Yes, I said it weed, but this episode is that and so much more. We are going to sit down with Ellen Scanlon. She is the host of. Do The Pot, a podcast demystifying cannabis for women. They have short weekly episodes with tips about stress, sleep, sex, CBD, and more. We cover all of that and more with today's conversation. She is so informative. She makes it fun. And I was a little nervous to have this conversation. I don't know why. It just, I guess I needed to be demystified too. And that's exactly what she did. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ellen Scanlon. Direction challenged. And we are here with Ellen Scanlon. Ellen, thank you for joining me today.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Okay, we are just going to dive right in. Why is there still so much judgment when it comes to weed?
4: You know, it's a hard question because two-thirds of Americans say that they think that cannabis should be legal for medical or for adult use. And So it's come a long way. During the pandemic, cannabis was named an essential service. So it was open in those early scary days, along with pharmacies and grocery stores. And I think that people started to see this as, you know, essential medicine for many people. And so there has has certainly been a shift. I think the pandemic really played a role in that, talking about mental health, talking about how people just get through their days and lowering judgment for everyone, because we really all are just trying to, to get through the day. And, you know, there are a lot of states that don't have legal access yet, and it is still illegal. And so someone said this the other day, and I I thought it was great. It's like, mom says you can do it, but dad says you can't. Are you still going to get in trouble? (laughs) And I feel like that is sort of how, unfortunately, this, this is right now. State by state, things are legal, but federally, cannabis is still illegal. And so I think that as we continue to create legal markets that that people feel more comfortable in that the stigma will drop it's just you know we've had alcohol prohibition has been lifted for over 100 years and i think you know we're there with alcohol so we may have a little bit to go
2: when you say it like that it sounds so archaic like we're living in this archaic world when it comes to weed i do we know what it looks like for the future of weed to be for dad to approve of weed and to say that we can do it
4: oh gosh well this voting really matters. I mean, I think that, you know, where your local officials stand on cannabis will play a huge role in this. I think that This election coming up in November is incredibly important. In the last election in 2020, every state that had cannabis on the ballot passed it. And we'll see there, I think, going to be five states that have it on the ballot for either adult use or for medical use. And so as the people speak, and, you know, this isn't all just people who love weed. It's people who love jobs. (laughs) You know, there are half a million people working in the cannabis industry right now. That's three times more then there are dentists in this country. There are a lot of people that are working. There's tax revenue, you know, $10 billion in tax revenue to the states that have legalized this since 2014 when Colorado first legalized. So money, jobs, social justice, you know, most of the policies around the war on drugs were a failed policy, number one, but they were really a racist policy. And so as people are starting to look and see why they believe certain things, a lot of that is is falling under these, it's really propaganda that many people were fed. So I think those, all of those things are leading us towards a, a new path. We just are, we just don't know what it's going to look like yet.
2: No. And I'm so grateful you brought that up because that's something I really wanted to discuss this episode. You know, the the history of the word marijuana. I had no idea that it was intertwined with such a complicated, hurtful uh, history. So can you share with us more about that so that we can all be more educated when we talk about
4: it? Of course. And, you know, I I am an advocate for legalization, whatever those words end up being. And The reason that we have an episode that is called Weed Words, we have this series where we try to just like help you out with words you think you should know, but maybe you don't. And marijuana is one of those words. And it's not a word that I use frequently because as I have been in the industry longer, I'm really aware of its roots in racism. And it is, it's simply the Spanish word for cannabis, but it was really, really used as a campaign against Mexicans, against Black and brown people to put them into a category of people that use this marijuana. And it was spelled with an H so that it didn't seem like an English word. And other people used this drug in different ways was kind of the way that this whole propaganda led. There's a movie called Reefer Madness. Many people have heard of it. It was a government-sponsored film that was really saying that black and brown people are bad, that incredibly offensive as you know, black people smoke marijuana and think they're as good as white people. It was just really, really terrible. Can
2: you put a timestamp on Reefer Madness when it was made when, when all this happened? In the nineteen twenties. Nineteen twenties.
4: I can't remember the exact date, but this was all happening. There was a guy named Harry Anslinger. Nineteen ten to nineteen twenty, I think, was the Mexican War. And so like two million Mexicans uh, started to emigrate to the US. And so as the more Mexicans came into the US, more racism erupted, and then marijuana. At that time, is what what it was called, was really used to villainize those people. It's tough. It's tough wow. stuff.
2: Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to hear. That's for sure. But it's something that is important to all know, especially. I don't use that word often, but I can imagine someone who, who would and not really know, you know, sort of the, the past that they're bringing up in just using a word.
4: Our episode is, it's only 20 minutes, but I actually had a couple people tell me that it it completely changed their view on the word. And I am not trying to make anyone feel bad for using the word marijuana. Like, I I, you know, understand Google search. It is a massively searched word. It's just a word that many people have no idea is rooted in racism. And I think that as people as more people join the cannabis industry and start to understand this history, which is not history that any of us learned in school, it's pe- it's piecing things together and really trying to then share that information so that we can all make educated choices about the words that we use.
2: Right. And for our listeners, we'll put the in our show notes, we'll put the link to that episode. If this is something as you're driving, you're like, this is something I really want to listen to. We'll make sure to have that for you. And on your website, do the pot.com, which is such a great name. You say that the questions that you get from women are mostly in five categories. I want to break that down for a second. Most of our listeners are women. Shout out to the men listening to We Love You. But if we're if we're talking percentages, it's highly female based. And those five categories are for stress, sleep, sex, chronic pain and fun. Some of our listeners are younger. And so if they are new to the weed experience, can you take us through these categories and how the benefits of it and how it's used differently?
4: Definitely. Well, I think for stress we should start there because that feels like the most common ground thing that we all have right now. And yes, especially with the pandemic, it
2: felt like so many people erupted into this idea that, hey, this is what I use to cope with stress. This is an essential business. And what a wonderful way to at least be able to benefit from it.
4: Yeah. And I mean, if you poll cannabis users, the number one reason that people consume is to relax. And I think that relax is a catch-all word that, you know, in theory means like putting your feet up, but I think maybe just means like not feeling like you're going to pop (laughs) if something happens (laughs) that stresses you out. You know, it's really just kind of keeping yourself more even, keeping yourself more balanced. And cannabis, especially cannabis that includes CBD, is incredibly helpful for that. So, Just a little bit of science. We all have what's called an endocannabinoid system in our bodies. It is a system like the cardiovascular system. It's a system like the nervous system. None of us really learned about it because it was discovered about 20 years ago. In Israel, But it has been in humans since there were humans. And the entire reason that the system exists in your body is to create balance, homeostasis. And so by adding what are called exogenous cannabinoids, so putting cannabis into your body, whether that's CBD, THC, or many of the other cannabinoids that are part of the plant, which is just the chemical part of the plant, you really literally balance your body. So if you or if any of your listeners have had a good experience with cannabis, most people would say like, I felt really happy. I felt, you know, just like relaxed. I felt calm. All of that is your endocannabinoid system being in balance. And so I think that is just something that I want to tell everyone. I know it's a little bit sort of, if you, it just doesn't seem like it could be real, that our bodies really have a system (laughs) (laughs) that is ready, like a lock and key to be like, oh, I love you, cannabis, and I'm going to feel better. But, But we do. So that, I think, is just great to know about stress. And I think that when people talk to me about stress, the first question is, how do I how do I feel less stress? But the second one is I'm kind of scared of cannabis. And, you know, I felt anxious or I felt paranoid or I just didn't feel good when I was consuming. And so I think that that's when it's one of the reasons the show is called How to Do the Pot. Like, this is just not as easy as opening up a bottle of wine or drinking a beer. You know, your body is reacting to the substance. And so how much you take in has a really, really big role in how strongly you feel it. You
2: know, I I know and I this is gonna be a dumb question. And even as I was typing this question up to ask you, I felt so dumb typing it up. But I'm just gonna ask it because this is literally why we have this podcast. But can you take me through the experience of buying weed? Because that is a huge fear of mine. I've heard other people discuss this as well. Because I I the idea of walking into the store and having to buy it is terrifying. And I think it's because I, I'm afraid I'm not gonna look cool. I'm gonna seem uneducated and they're are so many different types of weed. There's so many, you know, different types of people that react differently to the different types of weed that it does seem like Pandora's box for a little bit for a beginner. I'm just I think I'm just
4: overwhelmed by it. So can you walk me through this, please? Kayla. (laughs) you have no idea how happy it makes me that you asked this question because (laughs) I literally created a series just for you and for all of my friends who feel the exact same way. And it's created so that anyone who's nervous about buying cannabis feels like they have a friend. It's called The First Time I Bought Legal Weed. Women from all across the country have sent in their stories and told us what it was like the first time that they went into a dispensary. And I love it so much because some people were scared. Some people were super excited. Some people were, had absolutely no idea what to do and were coming in to solve a problem. And it was like a big hurdle to overcome. And it's a little bit different for everyone. And I I love that you asked that question. So- how do you do it? <laughs> you need to have your ID. First, you need to know whether you live in a state with legal adult use cannabis. And when I say adult use, I mean recreational use, where anyone over 21 with a government-issued ID can walk in. So if that's the case, that is And there are 19 states like that. You just have to bring your ID. I would say bring cash because cannabis is still federally illegal. And that's the reason that many cannabis dispensaries have to function in cash because they can't be a part of the banking system. They can't be a part of the credit card system. Whole nother really complicated part of cannabis. That's why there also are security guards at the front of every uh, dispensary that you will walk into. Don't be afraid of them. They are there to protect the cash <laughs> and the money and the product. Not not you. They're not worried about you. <laughs> OK, got yeah, it. Yeah, They're not there to get you in trouble. This isn't like dad being like, <laughs> now you're in trouble.
2: <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I do think that is part of the intimidation is walking into a place that has a big security guard. It almost brings up my insecurities of trying to get into a club when I was like, you know, underage or something. Not that I ever did that. Don't listen to me.
4: No, none of us ever did that. (laughs) Yeah, but that's why they're there. So don't be afraid. They really are there to just keep the flow of commerce going. So bring your ID and bring cash. That'll make it a lot easier. And then... The thing that I think is, I always try to ask people to think about before you go in is, what was your last experience with cannabis? Was it good? Was it bad? Do you have any sort of memory? And then the more granular and specific that you can be, the bud tenders, who are the retail associates in dispensaries, I mean, every single bud tender I've ever talked to loves weed and will wants to talk about it all the time. So they understand the words that you're saying, and they talk to people all day long. So they are really good at figuring out what type of consumer you might be and then how, you know, the products that they have can help you. They're not Providing and they cannot provide medical advice though. So, the best thing for you to say is something like, I smoked a joint with some friends a while ago and I felt good. And then I had more of it and I felt anxious. But the good thing was I was able to sleep really well that night. So, those are sort of key words for them that say, okay, probably this person would like a lower dose to start off better. And they want something that will allow them to sleep. Just talk about your experience. So, that's the first thing that you need to do. I would say that you can listen to these shows and just get, like, it's very bingeable. You'll be able to hear what women in different states feel like. Right. So then
2: I feel like I'm not alone.
4: (laughs) Yes. You are not alone. Everyone is nervous. You know, everyone kind of, it's also just surreal. This thing that you've been doing, this thing that has been illegal for so long that now is just fine. It's sort of like, what?
2: (laughs) How is this possible? Well, and it's sor- sort of fine, like, you know, federally it's not. And I'm such a rule follower to a fault that it feels taboo, even though it's not. And no, absolutely, I, I don't know. But I have so many friends that come over and share their weed with us. And it's phenomenal. It's such a lovely experience. You don't have a hangover afterwards. It is. But I have yet to actually go in and buy it for myself because I'm terrified of it but anyone that wants to share it and share their experience and shit tell, talk to me about it it's it's lovely and i and i and i love it and i have heard so many people talk about the benefits of it with their chronic pain and with sleep which is a huge factor. I have a 13 week old baby right now. I do not need that to sleep. I could literally fall asleep right now as I'm sitting here. But I have a friend who I just spoke to recently who's going through a really bad breakup and cannot sleep. And she has found the perfect dosage for her and it has helped her just have peace of mind and relax. And so there are so many different ways that it can can help us. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com
1: slash host
0: mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.
2: It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good And we're back. How does it help us with sex? That's my next question, because that's one of your five categories. And I thought, mm, wait, that's not something I typically would assume to use it for.
4: So with. I believe that every woman should have a weed lube in her bedside table. Just every woman. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Everywhere. What is that? <laughs> so weed lube is just a serum that has cannabis in it. And you can buy a CBD serum. CBD is legal. All across the country, you know, I have some great brands. You do need to have make sure that you have a high quality product because you're putting it in a very intimate spot. And you can buy weed lubes at dispensaries. Again, you know, you sort of have to work your way up to walking into a dispensary, number one, and then asking for a weed lube. I've done it. I, I sort of like push myself to do it because I give weed lube as a gift to so many of my friends. And I'm like, be strong, Ellen. You can do this. I know this feels a little funny. It is incredible. So the endocannabinoid system that I was just talking about that has the second highest number of receptors in women's pelvic region. It's why cannabis is so good for menstrual cramps. But in general, what it's doing is bringing blood flow to the area so you have more sensation. If you have any pain with sex, it relaxes that area. And I have endometriosis. It is absolutely incredible for me. Cannabis is incredible for me to help with the painful cramps that I get. It also just makes sex so much more comfortable for anyone who is dealing with any type of chronic pain. Are there any brands that you suggest so that people, if they don't want to
2: go in, myself included, can order? Is that something you can order online? Probably not.
4: Yes, it is. So you can order the CBD version. So I would recommend a a women-run company called Quim and an incredible company called Foria. Those are my two favorites. And from Foria and both of those companies, also you can buy the THC version in dispensaries. So what I would say is there's so little testing in this area, but... I think that most people would say that the THC serums just add a little bit more sensation. So like if I had to choose between the two, I would say I'll take the THC, but the CBD is great. Either one. And, you know, I I
2: know that this has been asked so many times and discussed so many times, but can you just take us through the distinct differences between THC and CBD for those who are maybe listening to this and going, wait, remind me again what the difference is?
4: Of course. And- I wish that there were so, I just wish there were less letters. <laughs> right, right. It's just a lot to keep in your head if this is something that you're not thinking about a lot. So THC is the part of the plant that makes you feel intoxicated. And it also works on pain by sort of stopping the signal of pain going to your brain. So it's working in a different way. CBD, which is non-intoxicating, is really great for inflammation. So I use CBD creams on like my laptop wrist arm, on my creaky neck, things like that. So it can really, really help with inflammation. But if you are dealing with strong pain, THC is what's really going to help. So I had an accident many years ago, which is sort of what led me to cannabis, but I broke 16 of my teeth. And I, (laughs) I know it was incredibly painful, incredibly, you know. Can you give us the quick version of what happened? I was in New Orleans for Jazz Fest and I was riding a bike and I fell off the bike. That's really all that happened. But I landed on my chin and my shoulder and my wrist and I ended up in the hospital and they gave me the strongest painkillers I've ever received and I came home and I was with a bunch of friends and they were all worried about me and then the next thing I knew I was on the floor looking up at them because the painkillers had basically caused me to pass out and so two head injuries in the same day lots of drugs lots of side effects not knowing what was going on and and I was just doing every single thing that my doctor told me to do and continuing to have more issues and so it really was this awakening moment when i i started to advocate for myself in in healthcare and understand that pharmaceuticals really may not be the best the best way to to handle pain, and so I think that really, really opened me up when cannabis became legal in California in 2016 for adult use. Because I'm I'm, an, I'm a rule follower too, and I also the the longer that I'm in the cannabis industry, it's more that I want tested product. I want to, you know the products that you can buy in dispensaries are tested. I know what I'm getting. I know what percentage of the intoxicating part of the plant is in there, so I know how I'm going to feel. Because I think that that's the part about cannabis that I have loved so much in in this sort of journey of learning more about it. Like, I like to have one IPA on a Friday night, and I like how that makes me feel. And now I know how to consume cannabis so that I feel that same way. And matching how I want to feel with the situation, I think, is just, it It really changes your experience of of how cannabis can be a tool in your life. If we have a product that we love, that we're enjoying, how... How do we know if it's tested or not?
2: And is there a way to research that and know that? Is there, in my mind, hopefully there's a universal website that we can all just go to and see how much something's tested, but I'm guessing that might not exist.
4: No. And, It's going to differ by state. But but the, the rule of thumb is if you buy this in a licensed dispensary, it has gone through very rigorous testing and very rigorous regulation. So I think that's why I'm such an advocate of a legal market, because you don't have to find that website. You just know that any product that made it to the shelves has gone through testing. CBD, which is federally legal, but not regulated by the FDA, not regulated really at all. This is where you really may not know exactly what you're getting why it's so important to me to know who you're buying from we have a list of brands that we believe in most of them are women run most of the women that i know in the cannabis industry who have created products have gotten into the industry because they or someone they love have had their life completely transformed in a positive way and so supporting brands who are really trying to make an equitable industry and to help people i think is something at the you know at the root level that you can just know it it's it's tricky because this is a new industry and there's so few brands that people may know, and it, it there's a little bit of an onus on the consumer to do the research. It's it's early. It's just mm-hmm. early, but a licensed dispensary. You guys have done that research for
2: us. So we can listen to your podcast. We can go to do the pot.com and, and it will educate us on that. So thank you for doing that so that we don't have to. It's nice to have a one-stop shop to that we know we can trust. I want to talk about microdosing because that's, is, is that a thing with I guess, weed as well, because I've heard people microdosing mushrooms and like other things. But can you also do that with weed? Yes.
4: And I think it's a fantastic way to consume weed. We have an episode on microdosing. It was our most popular episode of last Mm. year. And yes, I think microdosing has historically been more associated with psychedelics and Really, that has been shifting. And and what microdosing means is just taking smaller amounts over kind of a longer period of time. So never really getting to a place where you feel intoxicated, just getting all of the benefits of the plant that are related to stress, that are related to balance. So you just take a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it can be pretty simple. We say like, cut your edible in half, just take one hit from the joint. You know, if you're using an oil tincture, just put one, uh, drop under your tongue and wait 15 to 30 seconds. You know, a lot of cannabis is unfortunately for people right now, I wish it were different, but there's a little bit of trial and error, but you can really limit the potential downsides by just taking a lot less of whatever it is in front of you, like sometimes not really feeling it might be the perfect place to start so that you can say, oh, I didn't really feel that. But I also like I, I, I slept really well. So maybe I'll take a little bit more the next time that I have some time to experiment and, and sort of slowly moving your way up from there. That's
2: what, it, what I was going to ask you is when you say experiment and kind of like feeling it out, do you mean we should take just a small amount and then try a completely different amount another time? Or is there an allotted amount of time? Like, do we wait 30 minutes and then try a little bit more? Or is there is everybody different? Or is there kind of a, a, an amount of time that allows for us to continue to try?
4: So it depends on how you are ingesting it. So edibles, which are great because they're so discreet and a lot of people really love them, including me, can actually be a little bit tricky for new consumers because they take one to two hours to feel the effects. Don't take another one. (laughs) And they can last for four to eight hours. So it's, Eight hours is a long time if you're on an uncomfortable, time, in an uncomfortable you know, space. Yeah. like I do have a tip that I want to tell everyone, which is keep an oil tincture around that has only CBD in it. And if you put that under your tongue and hold it there for 15 to 30 seconds, it will bring down your high and you'll feel more like yourself within about 15 to 30 minutes. So there's sort of somebody called it like an antidote. So you do not have to necessarily go through this incredibly long period, if that's not what you were going for. But that's how edibles work. So that's why I say cut it in half. Don't take another, you know, and really, really wait. Food also will activate your edible. So if you haven't eaten anything and nothing's happening, and then maybe an hour or two later, you have a food that has like a high fat in it, avocado, pizza, whatever you're eating, that will activate it. And so you will start to feel it either for the first time or again. So edibles can be a little bit tricky, that's, yeah, you would think if you were feeling something and you ate it, ate, ate a slice
2: of pizza, like with alcohol, people always say soak it up, but it, it actually is the opposite.
4: of It's the opposite. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, you'll feel it more. So then you move towards something like a vape pen or a joint, which you can just take one hit. I would say, wait 30 minutes, see how you feel, and then go from there. And they do not last as long. And, you know, you really can control the dose. I've taken a hit of a really strong joint and been like, like, whoa, that was too much. But this is where knowing the percentages in what you're getting, it all kind of goes back to the legal market. Like, if you are buying THC, if you're buying a joint or cannabis in a dispensary, a, a, a THC amount around 20% is probably going to work for most people. A lo- there's a slice of the industry, a large slice, that's just trying to sort of get higher and higher THC levels into the products. And For the people that I'm talking to, newer consumers, consumers coming back after a long time, I really, really just recommend pay attention to that number and try and keep it around 20 percent.
2: 20 percent. Okay, guys, 20 percent. Okay, no, that's good. It's good to have a reference number because it can be confusing.
4: Now, okay, I need
2: to talk to you about this because originally when we were first supposed to have you on, I was pregnant at the time and you guys have a whole section of your website about doing TH, I think is it THC or CBD while pregnant. And I was shocked because I just thought, wait a minute, I thought this was just a no-no and you couldn't do it at all. Is it not? You can do it? So
4: cannabis and pregnancy is complicated in the way that, in my experience, everything with pregnancy is. And I think that the doctors that I have talked to really, really ask women to think about it as like risk reward quality of life. And there is so little data about pregnancy and almost anything. Even the the studies around alcohol are done on women that are consuming so much alcohol. And when you are pregnant, you're told, you know, not a drop of anything, not a literally. And that is the party line. And that remains the party line for, you know, most doctors. I think that where the nuances start to come in is, For women who are consuming cannabis for medical reasons and who are really using this as medicine. And, you know, if you are considering harming yourself, harming your baby, and cannabis keeps you from doing that, I think that most people would say, please do what you need to do to take care of yourself and your family. It gets really complicated, though, because Child Protective Services can come in. I mean, this is such a thorny issue, and there's so few doctors that are talking about it. And yet cannabis consumption by women, especially younger women who are pregnant, is really on the rise. We don't know very much. There is a study being conducted right now in Washington University and St. Louis that is sort of the biggest of its kind, which is more than like a handful of people. The the, the studies that we have so far have been really, really small. And it's not perfect. It's self-reported. But hopefully we will have more and more data about this. But I think that, you know, what... The doctors that I talk to say, you know, if you just are having fun and you like to consume cannabis, this is probably not the time to do it. If you are using this for medicine, really weigh the risks and the benefits and 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 make sure that you understand that in terms of your quality of life.
2: Mm-hmm. OK, good. Thank you. Thank, and it, it's important to have that conversation because it does feel now from what you've said that it's not happening enough. So thank you for going there and talking to us about it. Hey guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
1: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too.
2: We're back. Okay. So speaking of talking about weed let's take this a step further. You know, how do we talk to our parents about it? Because it is a generational thing. One of my best friends, Amanda, her mom, Janet, is this beautiful artist hippie that lives in the mountains of Carmel. And, uh, you know, she's someone who can so openly offer and talk about it. But not all of us have Janet as a mom or as a mother figure. So for the rest of us, besides Amanda, who need help having this conversation with our parents, because it does have these medical benefits that I think they can really utilize, too. So how do we talk to the boomers
4: about pot you know i think the best way is to keep it simple something that i think about when i'm talking to any parents And I get so many texts from friends about like, my mom needs this, my mom needs that, my dad needs this. But how many prescriptions do your parents take? You know, would a topical balm that has CBD in it for pain work instead of another pain pill? Would cannabis honey that has THC in it help before bed instead of Ambien? So just trying to sort of understand where your parents are and what they are taking, I think, is is a good sort of high-level step to consider and then figure out sort of how you want to take the conversation. I think the the number one question that most boomers have is, is cannabis legal? And, you know, (laughs) it's it's a patchwork. And it's medical cards. We didn't really talk about the medical market, uh, buying cannabis in the medical markets. But in a, a state that has a legal medical market, and there are 38 states that have that right now, you need to have a doctor who says that you have one of what are called qualifying conditions. And each state has qualifying conditions that are different. When I got my medical card in California, it was like stress and back pain. And some states are more restrictive. Things that usually fall onto it are like epilepsy, cancer, HIV, migraines, endometriosis, more and more. So But you can also sleep is something that more and more I think people are starting to use it for. So it's not that challenging to get a medical card. You do just have to talk to a physician. And so I think that that's kind of where to start. A question that a lot of parents have and a lot of the children of parents who are, are getting older is, will cannabis interact with my prescriptions? And I think that's something really, really important to know. And what we know anecdotally is that if you are taking a prescription that says you should not take it with grapefruit, that you should not take it with cannabis. And I... Why grapefruit? Grapefruit is a weird thing that people who are on certain type of blood pressure medicines are not allowed to have. I I don't know why, but I just know that doctors who prescribe those medicines say it's not good to take those with cannabis. You know, this is why we need legalization, because then I could actually explain to you something and not kind of sound like I'm a little bit cuckoo, like no grapefruit for you. (laughs) Right,
2: right. No, that's why. But that's why we're continuing the conversation. Well, that's really good advice. Thank you for how to talk to our parents about it and all of that.
4: One other thing that I just want to say about prescriptions is if you are taking CBD, which many people take, I take it in a gel cap twice a day in the morning and in the afternoon. If you're taking other prescriptions, you should wait two hours before taking CBD because it actually sort of slows things down in your system. So just another little tip about prescriptions. That's great.
2: Okay, so about two hours. Wait. Okay, that's great. I've never heard that before. Thank you. How do we talk to our kids about having a healthy mindset on weed as well? Because we want to have the conversation with our with our parents, and then, you know, as a new mother, I'm thinking, well, how am I going to have this conversation with my kids so that they can have a healthy mindset about it and and not judge it the way I find myself doing.
4: Yeah, I mean, the kids' conversation is one that my son is four, and so it's still. Fairly abstract for me, but you know, like the days are long, the years are short. It's not (laughs) going to be long before I'm going to be having these conversations. And I think that the the most important thing to know for, for mothers and parents of teenagers is that teen consumption does not go up in legal states. And we have data now since 2014 with legal states. So it's actually harder to get in some ways. You know, it's like trying to buy. Alcohol from the ABC store instead of like a random liquor store. So I think that that is is just sort of an important baseline. Canada as a country has completely legal cannabis for anyone over nineteen, and and they follow uh, what is is it's called harm reduction, and it's just a really a cost benefit analysis, understanding that humans use substances and how can we keep them in our community, keep them in our society, and make sure that people stay safe. And so I think that that's a conversation that a lot of parents are trying to have with their kids. The The other side of it is that brains develop until you're in your mid-20s. And so there, if there is a time in a person's life when consuming cannabis is probably not optimal, it is when you are a teenager with a developing brain until you're in your mid-20s. So, but like, when did you first try it? When did I first try it? And so, it, it it's it's a it's a conversation that. I think it can be challenging for a lot of parents. So I just
2: want to talk for a minute about the war on weed. Lastly, I know we've kept you for a long time, but I want you guys to touch on why who we buy our weed from matters. And can you talk to us about where the history of it and social justice intersect today?
4: I think the most important thing to remember is that black and white people consume cannabis at the same rates and black people are four times more likely to be arrested. You guys can't see, but we're just shaking our heads. Yeah, it's like there's no words. Yeah, I mean, it's when you're thinking about cannabis as a substance that is bad or has these negative connotations, I just think it's really, really important to remember that that is what we were told to believe and that the policing systems have focused on black and brown communities and vilified cannabis. There are 40,000 people still in prison for cannabis crimes in the U.S. and the vast majority are black and brown. So as cannabis becomes more legal across the country, as people are making money off of it, I think that the judgment around its roots and around the war on drugs really, really have to just, I hope that people can can examine it with an open mind and consider where we've gotten. And, you know, maybe the war on drugs seemed fine when it started. Just say no. I mean, Nancy Reagan was kind of a genius. Dare. Run by police departments who were, you know, who were daily on a a regular basis putting out policies that were different for black people and for white people. So just... Try to take that in as you're considering where the industry is today and consider what your first negative judgments may be and whether they are tied up into something that is just not right. It's not true. And we all, I think, can do better yeah, we can do better. Thank you. thanks for bringing that up. It's important to remember and be reminded
2: and also to be reminded to continue to do our best. Well, let's end with some of your favorite products. Do you have, like, two favorites that you can tell us that you recommend?
4: So I am most grateful to cannabis every month to for the products that treat endometriosis. And the one that works the best for me is something that people don't talk about very often, but it's a suppository. And when you are dealing with menstrual pain, putting a suppository in your body, it looks like a tampon without an applicator and you put it in and then you can put a tampon in afterwards and lay on your bed for 20 minutes and You will, my pain disappears for six to eight hours, which is amazing. I have no side effects like I used to have taking over-the-counter or prescription pain medicine for really, really intense cramps. I absolutely love that. I use CBD suppositories. You can buy them over the mail. You can get them anywhere. The ones that I use are from a company called Foria, which I mentioned before, which also has awesome weed lube. This is, is that F-O-R-I-A? F-O-R-I-A. Okay, Mm -hmm. great things. Mm-hmm. So that it, it completely changed my life because before when I would have painful symptoms from endometriosis, not only are they unpredictable, but the side effects from what I was taking were just so unpleasant. So it's it's been truly, truly life changing on the just like quality of life improvement overall. I love a product from a brand called Kiva, which is California-based, but you can get it in different states across the country. It's It comes in a little tin. It's called Kiva Caminos. And the ratio of THC to CBD is three to one. So three times more CBD than THC. And I call it a warm hug. This is another thing that I give to a lot of people. And It really just feels like a warm hug. Like you're going to feel a little chatty, relaxed, like shoulders drop. It's a really, really fun, wonderful product. But wait one to two hours and don't take another one. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. Coffee. <laughs> Got it. And
4: where do we find that?
2: Is that in a store or is that something
4: that you guys have available on DoThePot.com? We don't have any products on do the pot, but you can go to licensed dispensaries and that is where the Kiva products will be available. OK.
2: OK, cool. And one more question, because we started this out talking about how important it is to vote in your local elections. And you had mentioned five states that you think it could be on the ballot of. Do you happen to know those states, so those listening that are in those states and want to be a part of it and vote locally can be more
4: active? Sure. Well, Maryland, where I went to high school and my parents live, uh, has it on the ballot for adult use, which would be great. And then there's a little bit of wrangling that's going on, but I believe that it's going to be South Dakota, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma, and then Maryland. I think those are the five.
2: Okay. And when do we know if it's on the ballot or not?
4: In the next couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. I think Maryland is for sure. And then the other ones, you have to get a certain number of signatures. This is a little bit of like how a bill becomes a law that I am not quite right. <laughs> sure about. Totally. Got it. But yeah. I can confirm it with you. And I, I, it's got to be soon because you know the election's a month okay. away. So you
2: guys keep your eyes and ears open if you are in those states and this is something you want to be active and participate in. Ellen, you are incredible. Thank you so much. I can't even thank you enough. You've, you've destigmatized every notion I had about weed. And I am so grateful. And I'm sure our listeners feel the same. So where can everyone find you on your socials?
4: Our website is dothepot.com. How to Do the Pot is the podcast. It's available wherever you listen. And you can find us on all the socials at Do the Pot.
2: Love it. Thank you, Ellen.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to gather up the courage and I'm going to walk down the street and walk into a dispensary and buy something, not because I necessarily need it, but because I want to do it for myself and my self-esteem. Because now that we've had this episode, I'm realizing how nervous that makes me and I want to push myself and do something fun. So I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. I hope you learned a lot about the benefits of what THC can bring, what CBD can bring and how to have the conversations, because if you found yourself like me, you know, struggling to even talk about it and struggling to walk through the door to buy something. Hopefully you learned. If you're eye rolling at all of that and laughing at me, cool. Hopefully you learned something too. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We have another great one coming next week. So take care of yourselves until then. We'll see you soon. Bye. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Mons. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.